when we take the time, set aside and curate time to say, who am I? What do I believe in? What's important to me? And what keeps me balanced? That's really the foundation for where we need boundaries. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 241. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hello, hello, veggie lovers. Welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. Today, we have a return guest, the fabulous Dr. Shayna Alley. So she is a mental health counselor, educator, and advocate who is passionate about helping individuals foster mental wellness. She is the creator of the Self-Love Workbook, the Self-Love Workbook for Teens, Luna Finds Love Everywhere, a Self-Love Book for Kids, the Self-Love Planner, and the soon-to-be-released book, Designing Healthy Boundaries, which is why we have gotten together to record this episode today. So in this episode, we discuss boundaries, what they are, why they're so difficult to set, and how to create boundaries, how to develop them for your own mental health and well-being. I also share something pretty vulnerable, which honestly, up until now, I was considering cutting out of the episode because I struggle with the perception of why this bothers me so much. It does bother me a lot, but I don't want it to bother me. So I'm stuck between, is it a boundary or is it an ego problem? So maybe y'all can weigh in on this situation and let me know, do I just need to drop it? Because I haven't decided what I'm going to do about it. It's actually been a few weeks since we've recorded this episode that I'm recording this intro, and I still haven't decided if I'm even going to address it. So after you listen to the episode and what Dr. Ali and I talk about, as far as <laughs> my question to her, then maybe you can give me your opinion. But in this episode, we talk about why she decided to write a book on boundaries, what they are, why we need them. How do boundaries represent or how are they related to self-love? Why do we have such a difficult time setting them? And are there any groups of people that struggle more with boundary setting than others? How can we tell if we should set a boundary? And what other behaviors or habits do we often confuse with boundaries but aren't actually boundaries? Is it ever appropriate to set a boundary and over can you overuse boundaries? And what are some examples of simple boundaries that we can set to improve our health and well-being? Overall, as usual, when Dr. Ali is on the show, this is a very uh, 
action-centered type of episode. You can take this information and start applying it right away. But of course, I recommend that you check out her book. She has books that are very easy to read, easy to apply, that you can start using in your life right away. And so that is called Designing Healthy Boundaries. I hope that you enjoy this episode. Once again, thank you for being here week after week. Appreciate you so much. Welcome back to all of my weekly listeners and welcome to any new listeners. I am so glad to have you here. And now let's welcome Dr. Shayna Ali. Dr. Shayna Ali, welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. What a pleasure to have you back. I'm so excited to be back. Thanks for having me. So you are just such a productive author. How many books have you written now? Okay, technically the count. There's the self-love workbook, the teen version of that workbook, Luna Finds Love Everywhere, the planner, and this new one that I'm super excited about, which is fifth, Designing Healthy Boundaries. So five. Congratulations. So it's, it's a little bit different. Tell me, why did you write a book on boundaries? So, you know, the first book was the self-love workbook, and that's still like the foundational book that I go to with my clients in my personal use. I still think that's really important. And as I'm using this book, I'm noticing that when I'm working with others, an area that still gets highlighted that the book could, once you get through that foundational self-love, what's still missing is from that self-respect segment of self-love as boundaries. I just... Just like when I started to write the self-love workbook, I realized how pervasive it was that people didn't seem to understand self-love. There weren't practical ideas of how do you practice it? How do you share it with other people? I noticed the same things paralleled for boundaries. And I also think we're in a really unique time that people are wanting to learn about boundaries. And then they're met with this weird juxtaposition of, I really want to learn about it. Where do I learn practical things? Not just concepts and maybe why it's important, but where do I go beyond that to make the steps to make healthy boundaries for myself to last a lifetime? And I think for sure, we've definitely been hearing that word, that term more often, right? People are talking about boundaries, you know, set boundaries, you know, self-care, all of these things, but what really are boundaries and why do we need them? That's a really wonderful question. And I think it's really important to recognize that while we all need boundaries, our definition of boundaries may look different from person to person. I think generally speaking, something that can work for all of us is understanding that is the limit that we have to protect ourselves and others. There are so many varieties of different limits that we may have. There are different conditions on those limits. Those limits may not even look the same from context to context, person to person. But generally, it's the limit that we have to protect ourselves and others too. Interesting. And I think it can get a little bit tricky sometimes when we're trying to define what is a boundary and what's not a boundary. And isn't there a difference between a healthy boundary and an unhealthy boundary as well? Yeah, I think so, at least, right? So I think a healthy boundary is one that's intentional, one that you've had the ability to reflect, and it aligns at the very least with who you are and what your needs are. At the best, if it's interpersonal, it also encompasses what other people need, and it can be collaborative, and they can be made from love, right? So, you know, we were mentioning that boundaries, we're hearing a lot more about it, and I think that's a good thing for both of us personally, but our fields, the world, I think that's really wonderful. 
But I also think there are some misunderstandings about boundaries too, you know, that boundaries have to be these hard, rigid things that you build only with toxic people or entities. And I don't really think that's the case. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I always remind myself, I'm definitely not an expert in boundaries. In fact, I probably need to learn more about setting healthy boundaries for myself. But the one thing that I always remind myself is a boundary is not necessarily telling somebody else what to do or controlling another person, which I think that's kind of where we go, right? Like my boundary is you need to do this for me, but that's not really <laughs> the definition of a boundary, right? No, it's at least not where we can really manage, right? So then that can be a really disempowering perspective of boundaries. So I think that that's an important thing to recognize. I really like the way that you phrase that. It's a really good example. It's a common example. I understand why people go there though, right? You recognize there's this something that seems super flammable. And then with impulse, it's here's the thing that I need. And you might be right about that line, but the manner in which you're approaching it might not make that boundary land altogether. And something I like to encourage people to think about is that all boundaries, regardless of how many other people who are involved, whether it's a wide sociocultural boundary, all boundaries are personal. So all of them affect us at a personal realm. Even if it seems peripheral, they're all personal. So that's helpful to think about in terms of taking our power back. I think in a situation like the example you shared, it can sometimes seem discouraging of like, well, if this is really hurtful to me, I can't control them. Like that's, well, isn't that what the boundary is supposed to do? It's, it's understanding I can't control them, but how can I also explain my parameters and still manage what I can and heal myself and take responsibility for healing if my boundary is breached? Not saying it's definitely not ever going to be breached because that's not really plausible. We live in the real world and we're all human, <laughs> right? So yeah, absolutely. It's no, there's no perfection here. So yeah. I think that's a perfect transition to talk about how boundaries are related to self-love then. Because you you started with self-love and now have evolved into talking about boundaries. How are those two connected? Yeah. So maybe it would help if I rewind a little bit and talk, especially for listeners who may not be familiar with the self-love workbook and that framework. Because the way I see boundaries is that they're totally founded in self-love. And I see self-love as the active practice of accepting, caring for, and respecting oneself. So that is a fluid definition. I think there are different segments in that, such as awareness, knowledge, self-care we hear about a lot, self-esteem we hear about a lot kindness, respect, and growth. I narrow into that respect is, you know, how you know your worth and how that then is how you treat yourself and how you permit others to treat you too. And boundaries, I believe fits in a lot of these areas potentially because there's overlap, but self-respect the most. So when we take the time, set aside and curate time to say, who am I? What do I believe in? What's important to me? And what keeps me balanced? That's really the foundation for where we need boundaries. And then we can build those boundaries personally. When we build those boundaries personally and we abide by them personally, that's self-love. 
when we recognize that we don't live in a cave by most of us don't live in caves by ourselves that <laughs> now what does that mean for how that boundary is then communicated interpersonally or not communicated interpersonally and how does that then affect how we love ourselves mm-hmm. okay that's really great I, I love that why do we have such a difficult time setting boundaries you know this is a great question um not that the others aren't but it's the one that like still is so fatiguing to me like you can hear it you can probably see it um i think it goes in that whole realm of how we don't talk about this related so i mentioned that boundaries are part of self-love we barely talk about self-love self-love's a part of mental health we barely talk about mental wellness so it's this whole realm of stigma of like we don't need these things our emotions don't matter our thoughts don't matter just think better things, you know, do, do what you're told. And there's this passivity that is not healthy, but it all fits in that realm. So if we're not really respecting boundaries and we don't have any credence for them, then of course we're not going to invest in them. So most of us have this haphazard way of boundaries. You know, we are given boundaries, like what parents tell their children to do, what teachers say you're supposed to do, what society demands of you. And not all of those are bad, um, but a lot of it's passive and how we absorb it. And we don't get to think autonomously, what are my boundaries? How do I exist in the world? And how do I have the ability to take part in these boundaries too that exist in the world instead of having to just be passive to that? Yeah, it's super complicated though, because I mean, I just think about areas in my life where I probably need to be a little bit more deliberate about setting boundaries and I come against my conditioning, whether it's cultural, gender, religious. I mean, I even just think of myself in my position as a physician servant Mm -hmm. and being raised pretty strict, devout Catholic and feeling like, okay, service is my way. But then when you start feeling that conflict of like, I'm giving so much, I'm about to burn out. Mm. Trying to set those boundaries can be like really, really hard. So do you see that there's any groups of people in particular that struggle more with boundary setting than others. Oh my gosh. Okay. So to rewind to, you know, the exasperation in your voice as you're telling us your heart, which I really appreciate is I think boundaries are challenging for everyone. I I have yet to meet someone who thinks boundaries are a piece of cake. I would love to meet that person. I'm sure they exist somewhere, but in my experience, more people than not struggle with boundaries and for a variety of reasons. So I mentioned the overall, we don't learn about them. And I think that's the big catch all that I like to target. Like, okay, we didn't learn about them. Then here, let's talk about them. Here's this book that I hope helps you. Right. But there are so many reasons. Conditioning is absolutely one. We are many of us, you know, you mentioned service. Many of us are conditioned to believe you cannot create a boundary. So it's life changing to believe that you can. Right. Mm -hmm. And that conditioning. I wish it could be a light switch of like, we can sit here and be like, okay, it's the conditioning that might be serving as an obstacle in my deliberate communication of boundary X. Well, I wish it could be a light switch, but it's not. Now it's every time that boundary comes back up, it's your responsibility to then, okay, it's my conditioning every time. And it's exhausting. And that's one of the reasons it's challenging. 
And that's one of the things that I approach in this book is that boundaries are not a one-time process. And I think for some reason, we've been led to believe that you set the boundary and it's done, right? So therefore, if you set the boundary, if I tell you, please don't talk about X, Y, Z around my children, right? Something like that. And then you do it. That's like, oh, this is a deep offense. I took the time to create the boundary, deliberately communicated to you, and now you've pushed up against it. Whereas, you know, you mentioned earlier, and I totally believe we're just human, right? Like who learns every, I don't know. It takes me a lot of times to figure out something and let it sink in, right? It's, oh, I'm so sorry, but thank you for reminding me, right? And I'm not saying everybody does it innocently, right? But I think there's that humility and humanity of, you know, we have to sometimes gently coach, remind, have these signs. It's not, I build the gate and then I rip it down the first second that someone, you know, comes through without access. That's so important because what you're saying is that setting boundaries is a practice and continuing to uphold those boundaries requires patience, communication, understanding, grace, because we all are human and, you know, we make mistakes sometimes. So, yeah, I think that's so important to know. You don't just like say, okay, this is my boundary and then expect everybody to be 100% perfect. And if it's not, then you're out of here. Everybody's out of your life. You cut them out. Gone. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, and for people yeah. like me, I'm a black and white person. So sure. I'm probably more likely to be like, okay, if I'm going to be deliberate about this, one strike, you're out, you know, probably not, but <laughs> warning to everybody out there, be careful. <laughs> just well, kidding, just kidding. You know what you're mentioning too, which, which I'm hearing from you and stop me if this is totally off, but a lot of times when we get to that place that we're like, I need to be more deliberate about boundary X, what we're really saying is I have a bunch of lived experiences that if I sit and I use like this movie scroll of my life, I can see this chapter, this chapter, this chapter, this boundary was not deliberate and I want to do it now. Now, in that situation, you're dealing with so much, you know, like some people would call it baggage. I just think it's history and it's experience and conditioning, right? That's just what happens when we're setting a boundary. It's not a new boundary for us. It holds this history of being misunderstood, maybe poorly communicated, maybe being hurt a lot. So when we set it that one big time, man, we are banking and hoping so desperately that it is one time. And sometimes... One time is all you need. But the reason why I'm emphasizing that it's not often one time is because I think that's a common misconception and it causes us to feel so disheartened and crestfallen when it's like, oh man, I took all this time to communicate this. Like I went to therapy, I read this book and I, and I still, well, it's because it is a practice. Yeah. And it's not a reason to give up. Because then you end up back no. in square one, right? Because you're right. I think a lot of us have not set boundaries. And then we have all this built up resentment mm -hmm. because we expect people to just read our minds and know what we want, yes. <laughs> know what we need for, you know, our health. So I'm okay. glad that you mentioned that because I was thinking set boundaries, read our minds, thinking we set boundaries in our minds. And then we are treating them like they're solid, clear, obvious boundaries and holding people accountable to something they might not know. Which is not fair, which is really not, not fair, right? So totally how can we tell if we should set a boundary around something? Is there certain indications that, okay, this is probably something I need to deliberately think about and set a boundary? 
Yeah, I think there are a few things that someone can use like a checklist to say, hmm, should I use something here? Should I set something here? And I think in this moment, I'm going to specifically emphasize like the interpersonal boundary because the personal boundary, we just need everywhere. Um, but for the interpersonal boundary, first of all, it's coming up as commonplace in your life. So you're like, huh, this thing again, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, this thing came up, right? That probably says it's a red flag, right? In addition to the commonality, if many times then it comes up, it causes you distress of some sort and you're having an unpleasant experience, right? Um, looking into that friction is really important. So I think the commonality of it and how it's making you feel, there are way more reasons why, but I think those are the two prime ones that can say boundaries needed here, boundaries needed here. And now for a very important message. Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. All right, I'm going to throw one at you. You ready? Is, okay. Can this be my personal sure, therapy session? Because I have one that just happened just <laughs> before we got on the recording today. I've been struggling hit with this. Me. And I will okay. tell you the reason I'm struggling is because I have this part of me that doesn't want to upset anybody and wants to be a people pleaser and wants to seem like I'm cool and, you know, not arrogant or conceited. So here's what's been happening very frequently. I own my own practice. It's a very intimate practice. Everybody has my cell phone number. More and more and more, more parents are starting to address me simply just by my first name, which obviously I'm talking about this because I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I go by my first name with the doctor title in front of it. So usually I refer to myself as Dr. Yami or have, you know, my staff refer to me as Dr. Yami in front of other patients, but now it's becoming more and more 
yummy this, yummy that from patient parents. So what would be a way for me to set a healthy boundary in a situation like that? So I want to make sure I'm understanding where you think the boundary is needed first. So if I'm trying to summarize, you gave me a lot of helpful context, but I'm hearing that you're recognizing that some people are calling you by your first name more and more often, and you're not comfortable with that. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to kind of guide you with a little bit of prompts that would be in the book, because the truth is I don't tell anybody where their boundaries are needed or what they need to do, because I believe it is so subjective. So you already are able to recognize I'm not comfortable with that. And that's important for the communication. But that personal layer is more important because whether or not that boundary gets heard, respected, or breached, you still have to come back to you at the end of the day. Do you know what makes you uncomfortable about that? What makes me uncomfortable, and I've reflected a lot on this, okay? So (laughs) what makes me uncomfortable is I feel like the doctor-patient relationship becomes more casual. And so I consider people that call me my first name my friends, and that's a different level of relationship than people that call me Dr. Yami, which is more of a professional relationship. So I guess I start in my mind thinking like, okay, where is this going to go? How are the expectations going to change from someone that refers to me just simply as Yami? Like, hey, you're just my pal, you know? help me with this situation with my child, or you're a medical professional, I have this situation with my child. So that's where I start feeling a little bit of discomfort is how are they thinking about this relationship? And is it still going to stay in a professional level that feels comfortable for me? Absolutely. I hear the fear of the professional dynamic kind of withering away. And this is one example of that. Yeah. I also hear, so I think this is really good. Thank you for using your own personal example, because I think it's helpful for the listeners to hear how it gets fleshed out. I also hear this friction point of, on one hand, I want to be like the cool doctor who's like, hey, here's my cell phone because it's an intimate practice. And I, I, I want you to reach out to me in times of emergency. So accessible and helpfulness. And it seems like the idea, and help me flesh out this part, because that's the part that I'm not hearing as clearly, of something else being threatening to the practice that you hold, continue to breathe air into. What's that second part? Yeah, I think it's more like, will I get abused? Like, is it going to get to a point Mm. where people have this feeling like, because you're my friend and you're my pal, it's going to, the relationship's going to evolve into a different place you know, and maybe that's hard to explain, but yeah. it's it's one of those things of like you refer to your doctor a certain way and your friend a different way and you treat them differently. That's one layer. I guess the other thing, too, this goes to respect, too. Right. Because, you know, I'm thinking about, OK, what if I were a man? Would oh, they still sure. call me by my first name? I wonder that all the time. Like, if I were a man, would they still call me by my first name? But then I feel bad because I'm like, well, no, because I'm I'm Dr. Yami and, you know, the kids love me and, you know, that's okay. So, yeah, it's like a big struggle back and forth. Yeah. And this conflict, I appreciate you fleshing it out with us because I think it's this that causes people to sometimes get stuck and then not set the boundary because it's like, well, this and this. So uh, the coolness pays off, right? So at least there's... It, 
I risk it, but I'll get there when I get there. And I'm still seen as like this intimate, caring, tender, compassionate, cool doctor. And that's important too. And something I think that's helpful for listeners to hear as I'm exploring this is, you know, first of all, you can sift through boundaries with other people, right? So of course the dynamic is here. I'm here to talk about healthy boundaries, but you can sit with someone else and explore like, this is the boundary that I'm working on. I'm stuck with it. Can you help me just for other perspectives? I think a lot of times we set our boundaries independently and hearing that feedback is important. With that being said, I think this is a great example because I too own my practice. I too go by doctor first name. So what's interesting is that there's similarities in beliefs and differences in beliefs. That means that the way, if I were to personalize this and say, well, if I were in your shoes, I would do X, Y, Z, could look totally different than what is right for you. And that does not make it right or wrong, right? And I think knowing that that ultimate truth exists within us means that regardless, we can shift that over time. We can try something. And if we realize that isn't what fits best for me, I can tweak that over time. It does not have to be set in stone. I love that because it, that gives a lot of flexibility too. And it's more realistic as far as how people work through things is knowing that just because yeah. you decide something doesn't mean that that's just the way it's going to be and you're stuck with it. Yeah. And I can just see like my brain is branching out into a spider web to see this situation, how we flesh it out. And now your options, right? So your option number one is to not communicate anything and let things persist, take the gamble and also be like, well, I can still manage being the cool doc and I do nothing about it until it really gets to that place that's highly concerning knowing full well that like when that dynamic has fallen apart, that's harder to repair, right? But it is the risk. There's also more of the general thing, right? This is something that I'm setting a boundary for my practice. So is this something that goes out in a letter, in a card, in an email as a general statement, right? Is there a way that I can communicate this without making a direct ask of someone else by making sure I sign and have other people in the office always refer to me as Dr. Yami's? So it's enforced that like no one else is calling me Yami. It's not okay and not in this clinical environment. Or is it something that, you know, when someone says in that moment without making it, you know, a general broadcast is, thank you so much. Here are all the things I would appreciate if you called me Dr. Yami. Yeah, that's the hard one. And there's way more options than that. I'm trying yeah. to be parsimonious, but you know, even the way it fit for you, like I saw your face on it. It's not, that's not comfortable for you. And that's, we want you to communicate. It's not that we want you to communicate only boundaries you're comfortable with, but when there are these options and when we have the, uh, right, if we sift through then do we like these other options? Because it, there isn't one way to set the boundary, right? And again, knowing that it's a, bra a practice, if you put one in place and it doesn't work, then maybe you inch up more to this other one that is direct and firm, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so great. Thank you so much for taking us through that because I know how long I've been thinking about this and deliberate, deliberating about it, So I know it's complicated. It's not easy. It's not easy. So that being said, can you give us examples of what are some other behaviors or habits that we do that we often confuse for boundaries, but aren't actually boundaries? Oh, behaviors are things we do that we confuse for boundaries. Well, I think sometimes when we're stating our 
thoughts, beliefs, or experiences that in our mind makes a clear connection to a boundary, but we're not setting the boundary. We're just setting the kind of the precipice or the foundation of the boundary. A lot of times we do this when we're hesitant about a boundary and it's like, hey, I think this. I think people should blah, 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 right? And it's in a conversation. Some people think that's the boundary, but boy, that is so unclear. Is Are we having a conversation or is this something that's important to you? Is this something that's not just important to who you are as a person, but important to your well-being? You know, that might not be clear. So I think a lot of times we speak about things nonchalantly without realizing that boundaries take an intentional effort of communication including not communicating, right? Like that is a, that is a boundary too. If I say I am not speaking to, I am not tolerating, I am turning away for, those are boundaries as well. So I think that's the most common one that comes to mind. Okay, great. Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it? I love my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy, it's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water and in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing and a few days after that, you can start eating them and it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them and they're really happy that you're eating them and your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy, so I don't wanna have to use any mental energy that I don't need to and they send you seed quilts every month so you don't run out you can change what seed quilts you want to try so here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have hearty broccoli refreshing cabbage energizing kale spicy daikon radish super salad mix you can even get wheatgrass you can get culinary cilantro or even hot wasabi mustard so there's lots to choose from they have different flavors they're so cute and they're health promoting so you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful i also use them for garnish when i'm making soups and salads and different bowls you can impress your guests but like i said it's going to be low energy cost on your part. And it's actually not that expensive either. The other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit, which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste. So you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root, the white part at the bottom, you stick it in these little holes and then you just put the water in there and it grows. And then you can keep eating the same green onions. You just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food. So if you wanna give it a try, you've been curious about microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing. Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? Join the Plantscription. The Plantscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. 
It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this plantastic community. Are there ever situations that boundaries are not appropriate or overused? Okay, I'll do the latter one first. I think that healthy boundaries can't ever be overused if they're being built and maintained in a healthy way. However, I do think there are lots of faulty boundary setting that people are doing out of the goodness of their heart with the best of intentions, many times because they're in fight or flight process, right? And many times, you know, they're just so hurt and they're really interested in protecting themselves. And I have a lot of compassion for that, but this boundary just gets tossed out there and then it doesn't work for anybody, honestly, not even the person who's setting it because it doesn't feel really aligned and connected. I think that's a, a common thing that happens that ends up like coming back around to, to hurt everyone involved, yeah. you know, and that, that's the main reason why I think that not only do I want to communicate that boundary setting is a practice, but that it's healthy for us to set aside time to think on this and reevaluate it. In the best case, you look back at a boundary and said, wow, I had this long journey to setting this boundary. I set it and I haven't had to do anything with it, right? Like, and look at all the good that's come from it. Mm -hmm. And that can happen. Like we can get to a place that that happens, especially when we're using the practice. But many times at first we'll have to tweak and tweak and tweak just because like the world changes at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. We change too, but the world is constantly changing. So our needs for boundaries will change. So that's a really important thing that we need to remember. Yeah, we grow and evolve and change and it's dynamic. Life is dynamic. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so maybe this is a good time. We kind of went through my situation. Thank you very much. But are you yeah. able to give us some <laughs> examples of simple boundaries that people commonly set or some of the areas where people start to set boundaries, uh, particularly to improve their own mental health and well-being? Yeah. So if I go from the mental health aspect of things, I think that a lot of times we recognize we need a boundary and we're not sure how what it needs to look like, how we want to communicate it. And it is an artful balance of saying, I know I need something here. I don't want to wait till I have the full thing built up. I want to kind of flag like construction zone. And people don't do that. Um, and instead, they end up saying kind of like, here's the boundary or not saying anything. And I wish we would, when we're setting boundaries, allow ourselves to say more of this construction zone here disclaimer to be like, you know, I'm working on boundaries with XYZ. I'm working on boundaries with eating this way, with, you know, exercising this way, with working on boundaries with boundaries. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> even that, right? And it sets, it's like, okay, I'm working on this. Like, so keep in mind, you might hear something about this, but this is an area that is sensitive for me or vulnerable for me. And it kind of sets that open communication. I think that there's that. Um, another common thing that I think about is, of course, relationships. Um, we have high, especially intimate relationships, partnerships. I'm going to start with those first. We have high expectations for our partners to know us and out of love for us. We believe they must 
understand all of our boundaries by some magic. I don't know. Um, <laughs> or we think by communicating them once that our partner or partners have <laughs> magically remembered them. They know them, what it looks like in different contexts with different people. And there's all of that. With the people we love, we make the mistake of presuming like we don't need to review boundaries with them, but they're the most intimate and close to us. So please don't do yourself the disservice of not having the talk. You know, one that was coming up recently, I, um, with this whole Adam Levine thing and, and affairs came up of like, what is an affair? And a lot of people's definitions vary. And people think, well, if you know me and you know how strongly I feel about X, Y, Z, then isn't that the boundary? Um, but it's a co-created boundary. So might as well have the conversation about the thing. We don't have to create boundaries when there's fires. My goodness, let's create them before and do fire prevention, if anything. So that's another one. You know, and something that I think is really, really common, of course, this is common in my life as a new mother, too, is people unworking the boundaries that have been given to them uh, when they were children, as they were raised, unlearning and relearning things at the same time, and then wanting to create a lot of hope and mental wellness for the next generation, namely their own children. And saying, well, what do boundaries look like now? Because I can't just yield my, well, I can't, people can, but I, I won't yield my control over you just because of this power dynamic of parent and child. And that can be really hard when you're working through a lot of your own inner child boundary work, present self boundary work. You're not really sure how to set healthy boundaries for yourself, but you want your children to be able to do so too. That's a lot of expansive work at the same time. So I don't know if I would call that a problem per se, but I would say it's problematic that many of us are in this space that we're trying to learn boundaries and teach them at the same time. It would have been so wonderful if we all knew how to set healthy boundaries from the get-go and then we're just, you know, leading by sole example. Yeah. Well, I've learned with my children. Of course, my children are grown now, 13 and 17 years old. So they're a little bit older and they can process some of these things a little bit more. But I'm just honest with them. Be like, hey, I'm I'm going to mess up. I messed up when I did this. I'm still learning these things. And I hope that through my process of learning, you can learn this a little bit earlier than I did, you know, but knowing yeah. that that we are human, and we, we make mistakes and uh, we have different moods and feelings and we're sometimes better or worse at managing our thoughts and feelings on a day to day basis. And I think that that's really important for children to experience that and observe that, too, so that they don't feel like they are expected to be this perfect human that does everything right all the time and never messes up. Absolutely. And within that accountability, apologies, forgiveness, yes. humility, right? All very important. I love that you do that. All right. Well, let's, let's do like maybe a couple of examples that people can start understanding, especially people that are new to boundary setting. I'll yeah. give you some more life examples for me. So okay. I work pretty hard, especially right now. I often work at least six days a week, sometimes seven days a week, but I try really hard to take Sundays off. And my projector type personality, like if I'm off, I need to be off, off. Like literally I become one with the couch, okay? Yeah. So <laughs> one of my things is I wanna be able to take Sundays off and if possible, I don't wanna have to leave the house or do any chores or anything. 
Now the conflict comes when my husband, he works really hard too. And sometimes he works weekends that he expects when he comes home on Sunday for everything to be clean and pristine and, you know, all the, everything to be put away. So working through this with him. So this is kind of a relationship thing and just like a life chore living thing. What I've told him is like, okay, my boundary is I really want my Sundays to be off and lazy. Nobody needing anything from me, you know, unless there's an emergency sort of thing. So if you're wanting me to help with something particular, let's talk about it earlier in the week so that I can fit it in during my week on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so that I can protect my Sunday lazy couch day. Would that be an example of a healthy boundary? It sure would. Thank you for taking us through that since we're exploring a bunch of other more challenging ones. I appreciate that this one's been worked out. One reason why I can, and let me, let me highlight some signals of how this is a healthy boundary. Okay. Um, first of all, it's a healthy boundary because you're able to convey to us at this point what your needs are and what your hopes are. You're also sharing a little bit of his and like what the, what you're not directly saying, but I am guessing is like, well, as a couple, we need to be in this as a team together. So the, the need there, right? So that is helpful. Boundaries can be made out of love, right? So what I'm not hearing you say, which is really helpful is, well, this is my boundary and my personal boundary supersedes everyone's boundary only on Sunday, but it supersedes everyone. <laughs> so Take your boundary and get out of here with that boundary because mine supersedes. And this, this is one of the things that I really, in this approach that I encourage about boundary setting, this is one of the bridges that I say that boundaries are a self-loving practice. Because from the method of self-love, it's not saying that I'm more important than, it's saying I am just as important as you right? So I'm going to love myself as much as I love you. And what I heard from your um, offer, your bid was kind of, okay, I do want to protect it. So I can also do these things sooner. So I'm still meeting what you need. And I'm meeting our teamwork need and protecting me at the same time. Like, does that work for you? There's like an openness and a communication about like, here's how I want to be able to meet your boundary and meet mine too. There's these small little um, moves on the line that like maybe the two boundaries you guys walked in with are seemingly different, but by little tweaks, it becomes the same boundary. And any dyad, whether it's a partnership, you know, two friends, two coworkers, uh, or more, like the more people that get involved, the more complicated it gets. But you can build a boundary to protect all of you at the same time. And I think that's something to really recognize there. And just the, the, the ability to be flexible, I hear yeah. in that is like, I, I doesn't me or in on the other side of that to not be crestfallen when he's when you think you might have to give up your Sunday because you still don't like it yeah. still is doable. Yeah, for sure. And it's definitely collaborative. It's a compromise. And it takes several iterations of practice before you can smooth that one out. Yes. Uh, I think it's the Gottmans that say that you fight about the same things like your entire relationship, yes. right? Yeah. So believe me, this is a common theme here. As my listeners, sorry, but I do not like cleaning things. So um, my husband, poor, poor husband, that he is, he is the clean organized one. And I am like, laying on the couch on Sunday. So uh, let's go through one more. So one situation okay. that comes up a lot, and I've written about in my book as well, 
is different eating types in the family. So I have a teenager now. He, my teenagers, they're both teenagers, but my older one, he's a senior <laughs> and driving. So a driving teenager, I'll, I guess I'll he's say He's an that. adult. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> so whenever we have driving teenagers in the house, sometimes they go out and they buy their own food and they bring it in, you know? And so mm -hmm. if you're trying to have a household where you're emphasizing whole plant foods and, mm -hmm. you know, health promoting foods, sometimes that can create a conflict. So one potential boundary that could be set there is like, okay, I understand you want your, you know, Doritos and, you know, your Taco Bell or whatever. Is it possible that we reserve this cabinet for you, for you to put those foods so that it's not out in, you know, on the counter and everybody else in the house is tempted by it and exposed to it. So that is one of the potential things that people can choose in their family when they have other people bringing all different types of food in to try to preserve that promoting healthful food. So would that be an example of a, of a healthy boundary as well? Yes. And what I really love, like as you're starting to set the stage for this boundary, I'm almost like cringing, thinking like, oh man, is she going to say please just don't bring this in the house. Like, you know, like, because <laughs> I can see a parent doing like, please just don't even bring it. Like, you can have it out there. Don't bring it in here. And I think that just the energy of that that I was getting was like, that's a common approach that people take, right? Like, here's the limit. It's my house and that. And I think that goes back to like, um, you know, like parading the power dynamic. And when that, that becomes like a, a, a do it because I said so. When we are reducing the autonomy, the respect for someone else, their input and their personal free will and interest in abiding by that boundary tends to go down, right? Like think about it. If, if anyone beats you down, then you're, that's going to be the time you want to be as kind, respectful to that. No, right? So at the end of the day, boundaries are a layered form of communication. So I loved the wording and I think listeners should pick this up from you because it's really nice phrasing. Is it possible? Is it possible that? I think that's really helpful because you might already have, especially as the parent, the boundary in mind. Like, is it possible? It better be possible. But like, <laughs> it's not that power dynamic, right? Is it possible? Could we? Perhaps. What if, right? This more tentative space that says, come to the table, communicate with me, collaborate with me. We will tweak this over time because it's an ongoing process. Yeah. You know? I mean... I have the personality type that if you tell me what to do, if you're bossing me around, I am immediately going to rebel. So I know that that's what teenagers are too, right? Like we just, we have to respect them and know, know that they're growing, evolving humans that have preferences and they're trying different things out. So I think it is important to approach it in a way that you're not immediately just telling them what to do unless you're prepared for the backfire <laughs> which is, Listen, you know. it's, it's, it's so funny that we're talking about these two phases of life and what that does because you're saying that and I'm like toddlers are the same way oh, yeah. they don't have that so the second you say no now all of a sudden there is a deep desire to whatever even if there wasn't it's just because you said no right and of course there are huge shifts in cognitive development between toddlers and teenage years theoretically <laughs> 
<laughs> but that part is true. And like, I'm, I'm just like you, Dr. Yami, the same thing is like, if you tell me what to do, all of a sudden, because that power dynamic has been pushed on me without reason joining respect, even if I wanted to do that, there's the temptation to not because I'm being told. So that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was so maybe so we good. never grow out of yeah, it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> we try to handle it more maturely, but we still have that same feeling, you know, that same reaction inside. Because sure, we're autonomous sure. humans and we're here to practice that autonomy and yeah. express our individuality and be creative. And so, you know, when we're living together in households, that can create some conflict. But what I'm hearing from you is that there are ways for us to try to get our needs met and respected by discussing it in this collaborative way. So it's really great. Yeah, absolutely. What do you wish more people knew about boundaries? I wish more people about knew about boundaries that we all need them and they can come from a place of love. So I think we see it so often defensively and we explored that a lot today. And sometimes that's the case, but many times that's the case when we do not proactively respect our own boundaries. So I wish people know that a boundary that I set interpersonally could be out of love too. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Dr. Shana, this has been really great. And I, I really feel like I've gotten some healing from this episode. So thank you. Me thank too. you so much uh, for <laughs> listeners that they're ready. They're wanting to learn more about boundaries, start practicing them, start playing around with them. Where can yeah. they find your new book? So, so exciting that people would be in that place. And I really hope that a lot of listeners are joining with us in that enthusiasm. It's going to be available where books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, there's, there will be small um, offers at local businesses in your area. The best way to find out would be to go over to my website, drshana.com, and check out the book section. Awesome. And where can listeners connect with you and find out more about you? The easiest way, either through the website or also on social, you can find me at Dr. Shana on Instagram. Perfect. And we'll put all the links in the show notes. Final awesome. question. Leave yes. us with your number one tip for parents for setting healthy boundaries with other family members. First and foremost, you need to be thorough on your personal boundaries for yourself. A role as a parent is one for you. It's one of your roles. But if you know your personal boundaries first, it'll help you better set boundaries with other people. Oh, that's a good one. That's so good. <laughs> that's very important. Well, Dr. Shana, thank you so much for coming on Veggie Doctor Radio again. Thank you for your continuation to write all of these resources that are so helpful for other people. I really appreciate you. I'm grateful for everything that you do. And I hope that you have a very fantastic day. Thank you so much for having me. Love speaking with you. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.